If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to go to an obscure passage in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7. Nehemiah, chapter 7. Nehemiah, chapter 7. And I'm going to read two verses of Scripture. wall around the city of Jerusalem has been completed. And in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother... Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. Would you bow your heads with me for prayer this morning? Father, we bless you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what we've already felt in this service. And Lord, we need an anointing and an unction from on high to come down over every heart in this place, over every soul that is maybe tuning in and watching online. There is an urgency to our time and to our hour like we've never lived in before. And God, I believe you're, you're trying to speak. You're, you're speaking to your people. And Lord, it's up to us to hear what the Spirit is wanting to say to us as the church. Lord, anoint this vessel. Use me for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. May we be challenged and charged more when we leave this place than when we came. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tony. I want to talk to you today about family and faithfulness. Family and faithfulness. I want you to participate with me in something at the very beginning of this message. Everyone participates. A practice run. So let's assume that no one in this room are part of the family of God. Let's assume for a moment that no one is a Christian. No one is a believer. Today I tell you, you have the opportunity to become a Christian, a believer, a member of the family of God. Today, if all of you agree, God, our Creator, will become your Father. Jesus Christ, His Son, will become your brother. And you will be a member of the family of God. All you have to do is to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart. So let me ask all of you heathen. 
I'll get to say that too often from the front. How many of you would be willing to do this? Let me see a show of hands. Hands are going up everywhere. Congratulations. God is your Father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your guide. So today you've become a member of the family. Now let's assume that everyone as a member of the family is told, admonished, to continue or to stay a member of the family, you have to work for the family. You have to work for the kingdom. You have to work in the church or through the church or for the church, which, by the way, is the family business. How many of you would say, I want to stay in the family. I want to remain a Christian For the rest of my life, I'm willing to remain a member of the family. I desire to labor for the church, which is the family business. How many of you would say, I want to stay in the family? I was reading the Bible and came across these obscure verses of Scripture. And they just kind of leaped off the pages into my heart. Israel had returned home to rebuild their city. And the wall of security and stability had just been completed. And Nehemiah, the governor, the God-called man to lead this effort, this rebuilding effort, the wall has been completed, the work has been done for the glory of God and for the good of God's people. What is striking to me is that when the rebuild was done and it came time to put someone in charge over Jerusalem, that two men with just about identical names were chosen. Their names were Hanani and Hananiah. At first there was Hanani. The scripture says, and you read it yourself, that he was Nehemiah's biological brother, his flesh, his blood. And so to many of us, it would not be a surprise that he would be the obvious choice to help with the leadership of the people and to oversee the kingdom. After all, he's kinfolk to the leader himself. But then there was a second man. His name was Hananiah. He was not related to the leader at all, and yet he was given equal authority And if you will, there was even more on his resume than the first Hanani. The King James says about the second Hananiah that he was a faithful man and feared God above many. The Amplified Version states that the second Hananiah was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. Now, I want you to get this this morning. They were men with just about identical names. The first one was just a brother. The second one was a faithful and God-fearing man. The first one was known for family, but the second one was known for faithfulness. Y'all there? question that I want to ask every single one of us in the room and watching online is this. If Nehemiah 
were to be a type and shadow of Christ. Which Hananiah are you? If Nehemiah were to represent Christ, which Hananiah are you? Are you simply the brother that lays, you say, I lay my claims to the bloodline of Jesus. He's my savior. He's my master. He's my king. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am the head and not the tail. I am royalty. I am chosen by God. I'm Hananiah, the brother. Furthermore, would you be, and above, would you be Hananiah, the the faithful one that fears and reverences God, that is working in the kingdom, that is laboring, that is poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. Your number one purpose, your number one mission is the family business and the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which Hananiah are you? I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, get ready. God may be getting ready to rock your world. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. If you flip over to Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 46, I want you to see this this morning. The scripture says, while Jesus talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy thy mother and thy brethren, they stand without or outside, they're desiring to speak with thee. But he answered the person and said unto him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Watch this. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, as Jesus is ministering to the people, his family shows up. His biological family shows up. More than one time they thought Jesus had lost his mind. And they send a messenger. We want to speak to Jesus. Tell him to stop talking to the crowds and come out here and speak to them. Jesus knew that they were trying to distract him from his mission at hand. And so he responded by asking the question, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? In other words, and I want you to see this, who is my family? Who are my kinfolk? And then he pointed his hand in the direction of the disciples and he acknowledged them as family and the following statement fell forth from his lips for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven the same is my brother and my sister and my mother in other words Jesus is saying if you're going to be family you're going to be doing the will of the father Jesus saying, if you're going to be family, you're going to work in the kingdom of God. If you're going to be family, you're going to acknowledge that God, your Father, has chosen and ordained you and called you to bear much fruit. If you're going to be family, then you come to the sudden reality that it is not enough to get saved. you got to stay saved. And one way you stay saved is to get to work in the ministry in the kingdom of almighty God because it is the business of the family I wish somebody would say amen 
Oh, Holy Spirit, breathe into us the spirit of the 12-year-old Jesus when his biological parents were looking for him. And he responded back to them and said, Don't you know that I must be about my Father's business? Don't you know that I must be about my Father's heavenly business? Can I tell you there's no retirement? Can I tell you there's no unemployment in this business? There is no quitting. There is no passing it off for every reason under the sun, my God, awaken within us, stir up the gift that is within us, get us to a place that we're no longer just consuming, but we are contributing to the work of the family business. You know, I was reminded this week that 500 people saw Jesus ascend to heaven, but only 120 went back to the upper room. 500 people were commanded to tarry until they be endued with power from on high. But only 24% of them followed through and went back and prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's troubling today that in the church body, 20% of the body is doing 80% of the ministry statistically, but 100% want to live in the fullness and the blessings of the Lord. Some Somebody ought to say amen or oh me. Oh, pastor's got his pastor a coat on today. He's got his, got his rod in his hand. The truth of the matter is God does not like laziness in the kingdom of God. If we're part of the family, then we ought to be working in the family business. <laughs> oh, somebody's going to take me to doctrinal task over their fried chicken this afternoon. I feel it coming. Are you saying today, Pastor, are you saying that I can lose my salvation if I don't get busy in the business of the family? I tell you what, disregard my opinion for a few moments. Jesus, in a parable, would not permit one of his followers to go and even bury his father because of the urgency of the hour. He said, let the dead bury the dead and come and follow me. Jesus is the same Lord who said, occupy until I come. I looked that up in the Greek this week, and it means to busy oneself with. In other words, the mission of the Lord to keep busy in the work of the ministry. This is the same Jesus who said, cut down the unfruitful branch and cast it into the fire because it gives nothing back in return. This is the same Jesus who wrote in the book of Revelation and said we've got to have the wedding garment on at the end of our days. And in Revelation chapter 19, watch this, in verse 8, the white fine linen of that wedding garment. When I looked that up in the Greek, it says that the white fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Friend, that is verb. That is movement. That is action. That is working for the Lord in the family business. Now, I know somebody sitting out there this morning going, Pastor, I thought we were saved by faith and not by works. For sure we are. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, it tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Can I tell you, when I go to heaven, it won't be because of one thing that I have done. It will be because of everything Jesus has done, and all I did was simply accepted praise be to the Lamb of God.
You stay with me though. But there are those, and you're in the room, and you're watching online, and, but your faith is a dead faith because there is no works that accompany your faith. And here's the truth. Let me tell you something you may not have considered, but it is Bible. Dead faith is no faith. Dead faith is no faith. And when you have no faith, it means you have no relationship with the Father and you are outside of the family. While I read you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, I also share with you James chapter 2 and verse 18. And he says, yea, a man may say you have faith and I have works. But then he goes on to say, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I'm telling you today, it is simple to get saved. It is so simple that a child can repent and pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart. But while I declare to you boldly that it is simple to get saved, I'm going to also tell you it is going to cost you everything to stay saved. It's going to cost a life of sacrifice. Jesus himself said if any man will deny himself, he will take up his cross and follow after me. Then he will be my disciple. Can I praise God that his grace is indeed free but his grace is not cheap. There was a great cost that was paid for your salvation and for mine. And if it costs Jesus on the cross, when you follow him, it's going to cost you everything as part of the family business. You're looking, you're looking at a Christian that when my teen years came and I really committed my life to Christ, Church became my life. Oh, I, I feel a little resistance on this. Church was my life. Church was my high priority. Church was not on the periphery. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Today, church and ministry are among many options. In the life of a believer. <laughs> Newsflash. God does not like lazy people in the family. God speaks out against lazy people. Listen to his word if you think I'm reaching. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you as disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. They probably wouldn't be busybodies if they were working. You don't have time to burn up the phone lines if you're calling on the prayer line. You know, when I read that this week, I, I, I had to pause. Let me just take a, just for a moment. When I read that, I was like, boy, doesn't our country need to hear that right now? Get a job! <laughs> Man, I'm hearing there's jobs out there for 20 and 25. Somebody told me yesterday... 
There's jobs out there for $31 an hour, but why in the world would we want to go to work when the government's just giving us a free check every month? But you know what? We also need to hear it in the church. Get a job and go to work for Jesus. I love every one of you, and I hope you still love me, but you still need to be given back in the kingdom of God. You don't just need to be laying claim that I'm Hananiah, a brother, but you need to be a Hananiah that says, I'm going to take it further. I'm not just redeemed, but I'm giving back to the family business because I love the Lord and I love his people. And that's good preaching. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18 says, By much laziness the building decays, and through idleness of the hands the house will drop through. Now if you think that messes you up, listen to this. John 5, 17, Jesus talking, says, My father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working, he is still working, and I too must be at divine work. The master is working. The Lord is working. The Father is working. The Son of God is working. They're working right now. They're working on your behalf. How do you believe, it's going to get a little brutal here, but how do you believe that we make God feel as servants? How do you think God the Father feels if you're a lazy, slothful, sluggard self that won't lift a finger to work in the ministry? Or you steal the tithe money and justify it with every reason under the sun. While the little widows of the church on a fixed income faithfully get their tithe in to keep the ministry moving forward. They've been part of just some everyday folks that have now kept this church going for over a hundred years. It's not been no millionaires that has kept this church going. It's been common, everyday, ordinary, blue-collar folks that says, I love God, and I love His ministry, and I want to see people one for Jesus. Or you roll over every other Sunday and neglect His house and His word. This is truth. This is our church not talking to the church across town or the church of God across the county. For this church, our church, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. COVID's reality and COVID's deception has 100 people laying out of this church right now. Pulaski Church of God people that were in church 15 months ago are now out due to COVID's reality or COVID's deception. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, some are out and it's legit. 
Some are out and they've just separated from the family. I've seen them. I've seen them at Kohl's. I've seen them at Walmart. I've seen them in restaurants. Hey, how you doing? You remember me? Yeah. We went to church together 15 months ago. You're sitting in a packed restaurant with hundreds of people. build your barns and you store your grain and you take care of your plans and your agenda and you say to the Father, keep those cards and letters coming and Father, keep working for me while you sit lazily by and do, do nothing for the Father. If you will be family, you will be faithful. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Family and faithfulness go together. Listen, this is important. This is Bible. Matthew 5, 16, this is Jesus, the red letters. He said, let your light so shine before men that men may see your works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. That's tough words. These are tough words to hear. Trust me, they're just as tough to preach. Same Jesus in Matthew 25 said, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The unprofitable servant. What are you saying, preacher? It's time to turn off the TV and go to work for God. It's, it's time to lay aside your plans and ask God, what, what are your plans? We should never have to plead for people to minister to children. They ought to be lining up. Hello? We should never want for ushers and greeters and security team and youth workers and servants for serve day and media and audio team and camera operators. By the way, if you didn't know this, I didn't realize what we were getting ourselves into. It took two people over there. One person to show us what we needed to see and one purpose to help us, one person to help us hear what we needed to hear. We come over here, it takes nine people. Nine people. Week in and week out to do ministry, to put it out for the community and across the country and around the world and so we can enjoy. You say, well, I don't know if I can do a lot of those things physically anymore. Hey, you know what? I got good news for you. You can pray. Hey, you can pray. Every Tuesday night at 6.30, our Joshua's men meets here. There's probably about 12 of us that come together and pray. And the truth of the matter is, it probably ought to be 50. 
Every Wednesday morning we have ladies that come from, uh, from 10 to 12 of them, and, and they're here at 11 a.m. every Wednesday morning. Probably ought to be three times that many. Ah, we don't have a lot to pray about, do we? We have a lot to pray about. I tell you what, if you don't have nothing to pray about, you come see me. I'll give you everything that you need to pray to pray for me. That'll take up plenty of time in your day for prayer. You just pray for me. Trust me, my wife will give you a list longer than mine about me. There's a lot of need for prayer. If you will be family, you will be faithful. Family and faithfulness, they go together. It's not enough for me to be the first Hananiah. Not enough. When you really realize what, get a grip on what God has done for you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. This cheapened grace. When I realized that he saved my soul, I was going to hell, now I'm going to heaven. I was going to a place to burn forever, and now I'm going to streets of gold with a mansion that's just getting its finishing touches on it. Not counting that He created me and He sustains me every moment of every day. He gives me my life. He gives me my breath. In Him I live and move and have my being. He's blessed me beyond my ability to comprehend. There's no way I can sit back and let him do all the work for me. I've got to get to work for him. Did you hear about the two senior citizens? They were lounging on the patio of their retirement community. One looked up as a large flock of birds flew overhead, and he nudged his friend and said, Frank, you better move around. Those look like buzzards that are closing in. I'm telling you right now, I'm convinced, and I'm on assignment to tell souls online and in person you better move around. The buzzards are hovering over you and your unproductive soul, and they want to separate you from the family. In closing, a man came up to his pastor one Sunday, and this is what he said to him. The man looked at his pastor and he said, whatever it is, I will do it. Pastor just kind of walked out the door. Next Sunday, service was over. The man walked up to his pastor and said, whatever it is, I will do it. Pastor says, why does he keep saying that to me? Third Sunday, they have service. Man walks out, says the same thing. Fourth Sunday, man comes by, greets the pastor, and says these words, whatever it is, 
I will do it. He, he stopped him. He's like, why? Why do you keep saying that to me? Why do you keep coming to me? Every week for the last four weeks, you've said that to me. The man looked at his pastor, and he said, when Jesus saved me, I told the Lord I would do whatever he wanted me to do. And the Lord said to me, report to your shepherd, the one that I have ordained in charge, whatever, whatever. We need to pray as though everything depends upon God, but work as though everything depends upon us. That's what people in the family business do. Are you saying I can lose my salvation if I'm a lazy servant? I didn't say it. The Bible says it. You can't sit on your hands. People never knowing that you're a Christian. Never doing anything for the church, in the, thir- in the church, through the church. God has called you. He's chosen you. He's raised you up for such a time as this. He has a work for you to do. I thought this week, Bishop Travis, how many come to church because it's their social outlet? There's a lot of people come to church because that's their that's their bingo club. They don't they don't go to bingo, so they come to church. That's their place where they connect with people. That's their their relationships. They talk sports and weather. How was your week? And what kind of engine you got under the hood of your car? But I'm, I, man, I'm looking for some people that are not just interested in hanging around for association, but are ready to dive in for transformation. I don't know what it does for you, but it it causes my very foundation to quake. To think that I would just always expect the master to work for me while I never do anything for the master. I don't know what that does for you, but that messes me up. I can't take it. Not when I realize anything and everything that he's ever ever done for me. Would you bow your heads with me? Let me ask you in all sincerity because this is the most important question you'll hear this week, this month, this year. And it's simply this, are you part of the family of God? Are you a son and a daughter or a daughter of the king? If you're not today, you say, no, I'm not part of the family. And I'd like for you to just be honest with God, with this preacher while no one's looking around. Just raise your hand. Put it right back down. You're not part of the family.
The follow-up question, I guess, would be, do you call yourself family, but you're not faithful? My Lord, do you call yourself family, but you're not faithful? It's, it's, it's who I am. It's supposed to be who you are. It's a free gift, but it costs you everything. We're sold out to Him. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask every, every person in this room to join me around the altar this morning. Come on, come on, come on. You got plenty of room. Go up the aisles, come on. There's a couple of songs I've asked Tony and the team to lead us in. And I want you to, I want you to take some time. I want you to take some time for you and Jesus right now.